Hello and welcome to another episode of Alcoholitics. I am Terrain Myricks. I am the host. And uh, instead of a uh, one-on-one with someone or a very, very sad episode by myself, I am going to be reading um, and answering questions that were submitted um, from very super awesome people who asked me questions that hope that they wanted to hear the answers to. Um, the... Uh, person reading the questions will be the wife of the pod uh katrina myricks uh, thank you very much for answering uh, asking questions for me i appreciate that no problem i will be uh answering them she will be following up if there are any follow-up questions and if you're not satisfied i don't know message me or whatever and we can <laughs> deal with this stuff at a later date uh so um firstly we just want to, i just want to point out um uh, Michael Cohen's going to prison. <laughs> Michael Cohen's going to prison for about three years, um, and it slowly is sh- showing that people around the Trump circle are just falling into the hole of uh, indictment and conviction, and it's rough, but it's great when people knew that that was what was going on, but not specific as to what was going on. So I'm really stoked about that. But let's go into these questions. Let's do this. Let's start with the top one. What's number one? How drunk do you get for your podcasts? That's a very good question. I, it depends on a couple of things. Uh, My work schedule sometimes depends on it. Sometimes I get off at eight. Sometimes I get off at seven. And then I have to, you know, pop down here and drink as much as I can and then I usually like to record around like nine or like 8 45 9 um I like to record in that range sometimes I record at 9 15 9 30 um so I get it depends on how on how much time I have to drink and I drink during the podcast in fact um a lot of my guests drink during the podcast too um if you heard the last podcast uh, I drank until 2 o'clock in the morning and then did the podcast. So that was a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's usually around um, it's usually around that amount of time. I'm usually drinking like Captain and Coke or rum and, rum and Sprite. Sorry, Captain and Coke or vodka and Sprite. I'm drunk right now. <laughs> and that's how that usually goes. Go ahead, next one. <laughs> Thoughts on Howard Dean? Howard Dean is the fucking best. I'm not sure if you all remember Howard Dean, but Howard Dean was running to be the president of the United States. Um, he would have ran against Bush in 2004 if he weren't gaining so much momentum. He was, I believe, what was the the governor of um, Vermont um, or senator from Vermont. He no governor uh, and. He was the greatest guy, but then he, you know, had to, he did that, that super cool Howard Dean scream <laughs> where he was really excited. And apparently that's, that's the bar we set as a society. We decide that that's the bar. If you are embarrassing mildly, you don't get to be the president. That's what we're going to stop with. Never mind what's happening now. That's what we're going to stop with. I love Howard Dean. I still think he can be the president. I think Howard Dean should run in 2020. Let's fucking go. Next fucking question. <laughs> Does Cory Booker being single hurt his presidential ambitions? 
So Cory Booker is the senator from um, New Jersey, um, which to me is disqualifying. But he's the senator from. I'm kidding. He's a senator from New Jersey. He um, was the former mayor of Newark. And essentially played the role of Batman, where if there was a burning building, you can almost guarantee that Cory Booker was in the in the burning building saving a woman from there. Um, I think it does hurt. Um, Cory Booker already has some hurdles to go through. Uh, he has hurdles from progressives where they think that he's too right-wing on um, health care. Uh, where he isn't, he took a decent amount to a decent amount of time to be okay with uh, purchasing drugs from Canada, uh, making it so that it's a more uh, inexpensive for um, purchasers of that of those drugs. Um, so he already has those hurdles. Um, if we look at historics, uh, sorry, if we look at history, um, there's not a lot of. There's not a lot of bachelor presidents. There was one. Am I right? Is it one? James Buchanan. There's one. Oh, James Buchanan. He was great. Uh, from Pennsylvania. Wasn't the worst president at all. Um, but we had one. So yeah, it's it's actually it's actually really difficult. It's it's already hard enough. Cory Booker being um, being a black senator from New Jersey, because he's got a bunch of things kind of stacked against him. Um, adding more to that is difficult. There are a lot of people who don't believe that if you are, there are a lot of people who believe if you are not, um, married with children, if you're not, um, in that specific, like, nuclear home, uh, you are not qualified. So it, 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 there, there are actually, there are actually problems with Cory Booker running as that single status. Um, should there be? Absolutely not. Um, and then Cory Booker would be a great candidate to put up in 2020. And I think that he would be a formidable uh, adversary to Donald Trump. However, um, with this specific, um, with this specific aspect, that will be a drag on, on, um, Cory Booker, just as him being an African-American man is going to be a drag on him. Um, his... Uh, dealings with the pharmaceutical industries will be a drag on him. Um, the progressives' view of how he views Wall Street will be a drag on him. So he already has a bunch of negative ticks. This won't be a helper for him. Is a muffin a cupcake? Thank you for asking. No, it's fucking not. A muffin's not a fucking cupcake. A muffin is made from different ingredients. It's not a cupcake. No, it's it's not made from different ingredients. Well, excuse me. That's the whole point. Wait, I thought you were doing follow-ups? That is a follow-up. That's not a follow-up. That's well, a fact check. You, I, don't, I wasn't asking you just tell a, a lie, I'm going to interject. God damn it. <laughs> Muffins and... That, the whole point of the argument is they're made from the same ingredients. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not. Different consistencies of those ingredients. What? A, 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 a cupcake is lighter and fluffier than a fucking muffin is. A muffin, that doesn't mean the ingredients are different. But the, but the what are the different consistencies of the That's ingredients? That's not what you just said. That is what I said. No, you said they're different ingredients. I did, originally, and I yes. was wrong. Yeah. But okay, I you also, never corrected that. I think I did correct myself. No. 
And I think that the people agree that I corrected myself. Muffins are not cupcakes. They are not. They are not cupcakes. The fact that you're arguing that muffins are cupcakes is fucking crazy I to didn't me. argue that. I said you told a lie. You... <laughs> Which you did. The problem is I'm going to lose a lot of people right here where they're like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> no, muffins aren't cupcakes. Cupcakes are lighter. They're fluffier. They taste better. The... Sorry, I may be wrong about the different ingredients, but I'm not wrong about the consistency of the ingredients, right? I don't... What do you mean consistency of the ingredients? <laughs> the quantity? The method? It might be the quantity or the method. Yeah. Because... The consistency of the final product doesn't muffin is look? Doesn't muffin feel exactly like a cupcake? No. No, it does not. Does a muffin taste exactly like a cupcake? No, come on, what do you mean? Ugh. I think it's more that the textures are different, not the taste. The texture is the taste. No. Yeah. It is. Muffins are not cupcakes. Hot dogs are not sandwiches. Next fucking question. What are your thoughts on Kevin Hart stepping away from the Oscars? So Kevin Hart, um, a... A uh, very popular um, comedian uh, stepped away from the Oscars after... Um, from hosting. From hosting the Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Stepped away from hosting the Oscars after uh, received, after he... It was kind of made clear that he had a lot of anti-LGBTQ tweets um, and jokes. Um, Kevin Hart um, also said during, in one of the jokes that... Uh, something along the lines of he would hurt his... If he had a son and they were LGBTQ, he would hurt them. Uh, I think that it's good that he's not hosting. I think it's very good. And I think that it's... it's there. We have this like situation where um, there are a lot of uh, um, black comedians that do this kind of joke. Like Tracy Morgan had similar jokes before he got in trouble... Got into a car. He did. He had the. He had very similar jokes, um, including some that were graphically worse. Um, so it's it's rough when you are like watching, because because there aren't always there isn't always space for uh, African American comedians to um, host something host a huge event like this. Um, Kevin Hart does get that space because Kevin Hart is a big name. He's a big draw. He's got a lot of, he, he can bring a lot of money and a lot of viewership to this specific area. But it's very important to think about what he has said and what people think about what he has said. Um, uh, I think that with, with, with Kevin, it, it, and I've seen, and I've seen, we've had like, um, comedians like Nick Cannon, point out when uh white comedians do this as well and they're not necessarily ostracized in the same way that people are trying to ostracize kevin but the, the thing is they weren't asked to host the fucking oscars like amy schumer wasn't asked to host the oscars um uh Ch chelsea handler wasn't asked to host the oscars um and and context is very important um he wasn't doing that in any sort of contextual way that can possibly redeem himself. Whereas 
you can argue that the others said it in a way that they feel like they're allowed to say it and they feel like it's they they have the fan base that gets it and that's just regardless no absolutely not don't don't say it if you if they're <laughs> if you find the need to say any sort of those kinds of words or any sort of uh violent tendencies towards those were can find something else you're not a comedian you're a hack knock it off um am i sad kevin hart isn't hosting the oscars no i only find him funny very very few times <laughs> and it but the and then there's another thing i want to address um do should we then replace him with an lgbtq host as like a, that's a consolation prize, and they we don't, they don't fucking want that. That's not what they want. I don't think I don't know who should host the Oscars. I don't really care that much who hosts the Oscars, but if you like, I saw Wanda Sykes' name floated out. That'd be awesome, but it'd be cool if she was the first choice. It's really shitty that she's the. Uh, we have to cover our ass because we we tried to hire a like a super homophobic host that's bullshit and they kind of see through that bullshit i think we all see through that bullshit so don't do it pick the right person at the time don't pick someone who has that history it's not hard it's not hard we had um so kyler murray who i believe won the heisman um, had to apologize for tweets that he put out when he was 15 years old that were definitely super homophobic. And he was 15. So it's a little bit different because Kevin is an adult. I'm not saying, you know, like, people like Kyler shouldn't get a second... You shouldn't get that opportunity to say, I was a kid, I shouldn't have said those things. Kevin Hart's been doing this material for years. And it's not, it shouldn't be surprising. Movie, uh, movie executives have hired him. He's been in a billion movies. It's, it's insane that this is the first time that we're like, hey, isn't it kind of weird that he said that? That's shitty. And it's, it's insulting to say, well, let's replace him with an LGBTQ host. Because that means... Now that we got caught with this guy, we will now accept another person. That's gross and disgusting. And I'm over it. <laughs> Next question, please. This is a two-part question. Oh, shit. Do you agree with the phrase... Campaign in poetry, legislate in prose. Should I do that first, or do you want me to do the next part? Give me your answer, and then I'll... Um, I do to a degree. If you agree. Uh, well, I'm not done. Well, I'm gonna... Go ahead, go ahead. Since you agree, who is the best candidate to be poetic? I do, to a degree, believe in... Um, and that's a, that's a fantastic question. I do believe that, to a degree, you should campaign in, in poetry legislate in poetic uh, sorry legislate in prose um you can't go obviously we have learned 2016 has taught us you can't be a pragmatist with a bunch of ideas 
but no real fun way to distribute them to the public. Um, it doesn't work. People don't like you. They think you're a robot. That, I think, is true. I think we learned that in 2016. Hillary Clinton had a lot of good ideas. I think that she had a lot of good ideas. I think that she had better ideas than her opponent. I think her opponent had zero ideas whatsoever. Um, man, I wish I had someone talking to me about this. <laughs> um, I think that um, she would have been a, a, a... I think, personally, she would have been a very good president. I understand that people don't necessarily believe that. That's fine. I think that she had um, an idea outside of just, I'll do this, and then hopefully that happens. Um, however, she was not a good delivery system to the public. She didn't have the, the charisma, the gravitas to give this to the public in a way that they were like, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm excited for you specifically. Which is why we had a lot of people stay home and not engage in the process that we needed to gain the White House over a megalomaniac who had no ideas except for, I'm going to build a wall to keep the Mexican rapists out. Um, I think that it's very important that Democrats in 2020 have a, a candidate that can speak to people, uh, young people, uh, independent people, usual non-voters, uh, Latinos, African-Americans, our minority population, uh, women, um, white dudes. Like, I think we need to be able to speak to these people and at least have them listen to us. Um, I think that we've been kind of showing that we don't have that. I mean... I'm not so upset. I'm not so much upset with the white dudes part, but I think that we could turn out Latino vote, the Latino vote, way more than we do now. I think that we can turn out the African American vote way more than we do now. I think that we can turn out the non voter vote way more than we do now. And sometimes, yes, it means we need to get a person who may not have all of the may not have all of the knowledge that we want them to have, but they have the effect of making people excited. They can bring people to the table to at least listen to us. Are they all going to come out and vote for us? Probably not. But should we have people that definitely will listen? Absolutely. And I think we can turn that into a more galvanized voter base than we have now. I mean, look at the look at the midterms. We brought in, I believe it was over fifty percent of the voting population voted in the midterms. Not saying over fifty percent voted for the Democrats, but over fifty percent voted in the midterms, the voting population. That's nuts. We don't get that. It's usually around like 30 or 40. That is incredible. And I think that's something that we need going forward. That's something we need in the um, 
that's something we need in the 2020 election. And that's why I think it's important to not sell ourselves short and just pick someone who is shiny and dumb. I think that we should pick someone who is is least knowledgeable, but also can galvanize these people. What was part two of this question? Who is the best candidate to be poetic? As of right now, who's the best candidate to be poetic? And I know I've said this, and I know it's going to go off. It's going to be like, whatever. I know he's already... I think that Joe Biden is that candidate. Joe Biden has those things for me, where Joe Biden has the experience. He understands the ins and outs of the... Of the um, administration of the, of the presidency but he also has a way with connecting with people this isn't a hillary clinton situation where people think oh well he's not a real person this is a this is a candidate who can get people who this is a, this is a candidate who has the brag of i rode the train to work every day <laughs> i'm just chilling on amtrak all the time he has that and it's, it's, it's incredible, and it's important for people to hear that story. And I think they have, and I think they resonate with that. I think that Joe Biden is the type of person who can step up to the plate and get people excited to go out to vote. Um, there are other people that I think could as well, but if you, if you ask me right now, I'm saying Joe Biden's probably that guy. Let's keep going. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck Norris? A lot. Fuck you, Eric. Fuck you. Go ahead. Next. What are your thoughts on Chuck Schumer? Is it leadership to stoop to Trump's level? Okay. He, he offered a compromise on the wall for DACA recipients. So. Okay. Um, so he then that let's let's I want to make sure that I label this question out a little bit um so when before the midterm elections um chuck schumer did offer a um did offer a uh, compromise for democrats and republicans um to fund that wall um so that we can protect daca recipients um do i think that chuck schumer's grandstanding in the oval office and acting like kind of stooping down to Trump's level is leadership? No. No. I don't. Um, unfortunately, I don't. Weirdly enough, no one challenged his fucking job, but no, I don't see that as a as a leadership role. Um, I do think that it's important that we look like adults in the room, which is why I was really glad that Nancy was in there. Um, uh, Speaker Pelosi, as I will be soon to call her, um, Speaker Pelosi was in that room and she was able to be the adult in the room while these two petulant children were arguing. Um, and it's a it's a big thing to let Donald Trump know uh, you don't have absolute control anymore. You don't have the House. You still have the Senate, but you have to get it past the House. So it is very important to have an adult in the room to explain that to him. Do I think that um, Chuck Schumer was that adult? No, I think it was Nancy. Um, do I think that Chuck was doing the leadership role in, in that time? No. 
However, I think that if we're going to look at the deal that the Democrats wanted to propose um, to protect DACA recipients, I want to make it clear, um, one, this wall will do nothing. This wall will do absolutely nothing. It will not curb the uh, immigration levels. It will just literally make us look like we are not welcoming to other people. So maybe maybe it will. Maybe in, a, in the long run, we'll look like we're such an awful, terrible place that people won't want to come in here because of the walls that we erect as high as possible. But... I don't think so. I think that the stories of America have been too often sang upon and there's no way to put us in a place where we where we are not that place that people want to go to escape and to be safe. And that said, Am I okay with Chuck Schumer and the Senate Repub uh, Senate, Senate Democrats um, saying, hey, we'll put up this amount of wasted money if you protect the DACA children? Absolutely. Because DACA is real. DACA is important. And these people need to have the protections that they need to have. They need to not worry about if something's going to happen. They don't have to. They shouldn't have to look over their shoulder. Yes, I think that that. I think that that compromise was important. Now, Donald Trump did not take that compromise. Um, it was never put into stone. However, do I think it's okay that it was a that was on the table? Yes. Because I think that it's very important for Democrats to be able to say, hey, these motherfuckers are making you pay for the wall. Now watch a billion uh, sound bites where this guy says Mexico's paying for the wall. But it's weird, because it's coming out of your pocket. All right, 2020. Schumer definitely should have, I mean, Schumer should have been, should, been more adult in that room. But absolutely, it's okay to make that deal. It's okay to make that deal. You can have your fucking funding for your wall. As long as these children that are here now, these DACA recipients that are here now, these people that are here now are safe. Go ahead, next question. I don't want to ask this question. Why? Because we heard so much about it last podcast. <laughs> What do you mean? What are your thoughts on the Endgame trailer? Holy shit, the Endgame trailer. Katrina. Are you si That shit was amazing. Firstly, they didn't do a damn thing to give you any plot on this movie. Which is awesome. They didn't give you any plot except, well, <laughs> Scott Lang's out. You knew that. Also, we're going to work on some stuff and we'll figure it out. Also, Tony's floating in space. It was amazing. And I can't wait until April. 
And I... I might cry during this movie. And I... I just want you to know... That this movie makes me emotional. And I love it already! Alright, I love it. I love the Endgame trailer. It's amazing. Watch the Endgame trailer... Then message me. Holy shit, that shit's fucking awesome. Also, the music for the Endgame trailer. Have you listened to the music, man? You've only seen it once, and also, you were, like, not listening to it. The Endgame trailer music is brilliant. I love it. Also, when they... Anyway. Well, guys, I'm gonna go to the next question because I'm getting a glare from the wife of the pod. So let's do this. How can the Dems royally mess up and get Trump reelected? That's very easy. They can do normal democratic behavior, <laughs> trip over their own feet, <laughs> nominate Lincoln Chafee. <laughs> they can do literally it. The Democratic Party needs to realize that though the American people hate the Republican Party, they also don't super like the Democratic Party. So, it's very important that the Democratic Party make sure that they are telling the truth. Speaking their mind. Not coming off as robots. Uh, not stooping to Trump's level. We don't want to elect another child. I think it's very important that Democrats really focus on the the issues. Healthcare was the part huge reason we won in the midterms. If you think it's not going to be a general election topic, you're crazy. Easy. It's super easy. This guy wants to take your healthcare. We want to keep your healthcare. Check this box. It's not hard. <laughs> um, Democrats can easily lose this election. I think it's very important that Democrats don't think we have this in the bag because that's what we did in 2016. That's what I did in 2016, and it was the worst. He's bad. We can be dumb. So make sure that you are making your phone calls, emailing your people, Messaging your people, getting people out to vote. Don't pretend that this is in the bag. Talk to people. Talk about what they're interested in. Talk about their issues. And steer them toward a candidate that can help them. And don't just assume that we all hate Donald, so we got this. We do not have this. We don't. Democrats can easily royally screw this up. We've done it before. We can and will do it again. Just hopefully not in 2020. Next question, please. Well, I have a follow-up. Okay. Um, you said we can't be childish or stoop to Trump's level. Mm-hmm. Uh, yet your top uh, contender, yeah. Joe Biden, yeah. uh, said he wanted to beat Donald Trump out. He apologized for that and said it was stupid. He, whoa, that was a dumb thing for him to say. I I get, Trump's like, I would fight him outside the wood. What the, first of all, you are two old men. Neither of you are going to fight anybody. (laughs) So, no, I agree with you. Yes, 
That shouldn't happen. And I do like that my that the candidate that I currently like right now <laughs> said that he won't he that he feels bad about saying that and shouldn't have said that. He should he said he shouldn't have and he should not have. He is an adult human being. We don't solve problems by fights in the schoolyard. Joe. Do you think Joe will not have any more gaffes like that? No. As he runs for president? I think Joe will have gaffes like that, which will make him more of a human being. Mm. Mm. <laughs> All right. Do you have a thing you want to fucking do, or are you going to just read these questions? Like, oh, I will read you the next No, question. it feels like you have a thing you want. Like, what's mm I don't think about? gaffes make a person... A better candidate. That's not, a crazy thing to say. That's not true. People didn't like Hillary Clinton. Yes, Hillary Clinton had gaffes, but they were super robotic gaffes. At least Joe Biden's gaffes would just be human gaffes. Joe Biden would be like, yeah, I beat the shit out of him. Which is something that, unfortunately, a lot of us would fucking idiotically say. What? Like, what do you mean? That, to me, seems like we're like a guy for being more like trump makes sense that makes sense crazy yo no it's dumb it's dumb i'm just saying that the joe biden gaffes of the i'm saying that joe biden (laughs) i think that joe biden's gaffes are not nearly as bad as what they tend to seem to be especially when he at least has the when he has the ability to say you know what i fucked up i shouldn't have said that really shouldn't have said that. That's great. That's great. Because Joe's not, like, doing terrible things and then apologizing. He's just saying, I want to fight Trump. I shouldn't have said that, guys. <laughs> like, yeah, we all said that, Joe. I get you. <laughs> that's that's That seems to me what it is. But. Okay. Is democracy. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. Is democracy being circumvented in Wisconsin? Yes. Yes, it surely is. Tony Evers was elected. Um, I believe they also have a Democratic, what? Attorney uh, General. Attorney General. Um, and they have now passed bills to make it harder for, to strip power from the Attorney General and the governor. Yes. Fuck yes it is. This is the same thing they fucking did in North Carolina when North Carolina elected a Democratic governor. This is the same fucking thing. And people in North, in Wisconsin should be losing their fucking minds. They should be going out onto the streets and freaking the fuck out because they are essentially being told, yeah, you chose this, but no. They're, 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 they are, they've been like, kind of like, they've been, they're trying to like make them be okay with it because they've been doing that with gerrymandering where they can win like 60% of the fucking vote and still lose like 60% of the fucking seats. And that's nonsense. And I really, really hope, oh, that Tony Evers fucking steps in and says, absolutely fucking not. I'm going to do what we need to do. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the fucking power to because Scott Walker, the outgoing fucking governor, who is the worst, signed the bills to limit those powers. Um, that's gross. The, the, the circumventing of 
power in these states is fucking disgusting. And it's completely contrasted by the way that certain Democratic... Democratic governor in uh, New Jersey, Phil Murphy, said after the Democrats in New Jersey tried to rewrite the districts to make it so that the Republicans could never have power fucking ever, said, no, I'm a Democrat through and through, but we should not do that. The fact that some people do this is bananas to me. It's gross, it's disgusting, and they shouldn't be in fucking office. Next question, please. This is a long question. Oh, here we go. This is a many-part question. Do one part at a time. I will go one at a time. Okay. Let's do this. With the Mueller investigation looking more and more likely to cause the potential impeachment of Donald Trump, do you think politics can ever return to how they were? Or are U.S. politics permanently tainted by Trump and the modern Republican Party? Okay, um, let's start here. Um, the U.S. Po- US politics have been tainted for a while. Uh, they've been tainted for a good long while. And it's not necessarily just Trump and the modern Republican Party that's doing it. Um, I would say Trump is close to the impeachment process, but let's understand that the impeachment process does not necessarily mean the removal of the president. Um, I think that it's very very difficult with what's going on right now, where we kind of see oh, all the things that we thought were kind of happening, but they're fi- we're finding those out in different ways. The, uh, un- <laughs> the illegal campaign contributions we see aren't in the form of Putin writing a check. It's Trump writing a check to Stormy Daniels or Karen McDougal. Um... So we're kind of seeing that kind of thing. And then we... Yes, we do see the... Uh, we do see... Uh, the Republican Party kind of prop this guy up and allow him to continue doing this. Um, is it is it insurmountable? I wouldn't say it's insurmountable, but I think it's I think it's definitely set. I mean, I, I think we definitely have a situation where we have made it clear that party rules everything. If you are in the Democratic Party, you are going to back whatever corrupt president there is if you ever in the if you're in the Republican party you will back whatever corrupt president there is and that is what we have today I don't I don't necessarily know if this was a Trump thing I think it probably was but I don't know specifically if this is a Trump thing I think this is a Do you think Trump is the outcome of the problem. Right. Yeah, well, like, Trump is the... Trump seems to be the... Um, like, Trump's not the cause of the problem. He's no, the result of the He's the, the result of the problem. Yeah. He's the result of the problem in the way that he was elected knowing all of these terrible things, but, like, knowing that they were kind of terrible, we didn't know how terrible. But also, as he's been the president and these terrible things have come out, the Republican Party has stuck by him through and through. Um, so, we don't have a two-party system where... One party, like, 
you're supposed to have like one party saying this and one party saying that, but we have one party that literally you're supposed to. There's at least supposed to be a situation where, if this is happening, both parties say this is unacceptable. You shouldn't be the person that's there. We will put another person who we believe in, who's in our party, uh, to head this. And with Trump, it seems to be Republicans will turn a blind eye to all of his, um, all of his nefarious dealings and um, what have you. And we don't seem to have the. Republicans standing up saying that's not the way we should be doing this except for the ones that are standing up and then you know immediately vacating their positions Bob Corker Jeff Flake <laughs> we don't have people that are like this is not what we should be doing and we'll stand up and fight you for it when you see that so much of the government system of checks and balances relies solely on the assumption that the branches of government will act independently of each other and will act with respect for the system, does it not worry you that now a precedent has been set for a president to be allowed to do whatever they want so long as their allies hold majority control of the legislative branch? Um... Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not a good feeling. It's not a... Uh, it's not something we want. I... Um, this isn't a, a new thing, though, I think. I'm not, like, surprised by the way that the Republicans have reacted to Trump. They want to hold power, so, they, so they're trying to hold power. Um... <laughs> But I, I I don't I don't think that it's I don't think that it's new. I it's not surprising. It is one of those things where it's like this is what we thought was gonna happen. I don't know if I thought it was gonna happen to this to this scale. Um, I also question the checks and balance system. This we live in a representative democracy. Representative de democracy is. We choose people, they represent us. They're supposed to be doing the things that we want them to do. They don't do that. So, if it's in their best interest to keep this guy around, they will keep this guy around and by any means necessary. Even if some of those means are pretending he didn't commit crimes, laughing off the crimes he committed, saying, well, Democrats commit those crimes all the time, <laughs> and using our 24-7 propaganda wing to pretend that the crimes aren't real that is what happens there so no. when the republican party has proven that obstructionist tactics are so effective and that they never need to compromise do you worry that now all future majority parties will just ignore the concept of compromise when it only ever holds them back no i do not want to know why i know that the Democrats are there. And the Democrats do this fun thing called compromise, even if we don't want them to. The Democrats do this weird thing where they have power and they govern. They govern. They legislate. They pass bills. They do their best to actually keep the government running. Republicans don't. You have the 2010 Republicans, the 2020... 2010 Tea Party, 
who were elected essentially to bring over bring government to a screeching halt. Democrats don't do that. We don't have a, a situation. If you look at you look at Occupy, where the Occupy uh, Occupy Wall Street people were like, "We need to do this," and then but they didn't run anybody. There's no situation where Democrats from from in modern Democrats, there's no situation where they didn't legislate and try to run the government. Republicans will get in there and say, "We don't want anything to pass. We don't want to do anything." The only thing we want to do is limit government until it's dead. I don't think that it's going to be a thing that's going to happen because Democrats still exist. And Democrats continuously try to legislate and fix problems and use government as a good as a good force for the people. Do we always get to succeed? No. Do we get to choose this ourselves? No. We compromise, we make decisions, and we have to sometimes cut things we like because we have to, you know, fix, do, feel, deal with other people. If you look at the ACA, the uh, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, we had to compromise with not only Republicans, we had to, we had to fucking compromise with Democrats. We had to compromise with Joe Lieberman, who's like, well, I'm not letting the public option in there. And then we had to fucking compromise with Joe Lieberman. We have to compromise with people constantly. Democrats don't stop legislating. I don't know if that's a negative or a positive for us, but Democrats don't stop legislating. They continue to be the adults in the room and legislate and make sure our fucking bills are paid. Republicans don't do that and they don't have to do that because they've been taught that they are they are the party of fiscal responsibility, even though they literally never, never follow that. Why would you ever compromise with the opposition when obstruct and overrule seems to be is the obstruct over? Was it, is it, is it obstruct is greater than is greater than overrule? I don't know. What that is. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry, my apologies. Why would you ever compromise with the opposition when obstruct seems to be the most uh, efficient strategy? Because it's not efficient for government. Obstruct might be efficient for like what you want in the short term, but it's not for what you want in the long term. We, you obstruction isn't going to get you universal health care. Can I? Yeah. Play counter. Yes, you? please. Obstruction allowed the Republicans to leave a tremendous number of judges' seats open during Obama's term that they were then able to fill I, with Republican judges. You're absolutely right. So it worked for them. It did. In that regard. It did. But having not having judges in the, the not having judges is not helpful. So I yes, you're absolutely right. And yes, maybe sometimes we should follow those tactics, but not having judges isn't helpful when we have an overcrowded justice system that we need help with, which we will get to in our last question, <laughs> which actually will be the antithesis of what I'm saying right now. <laughs> but like, that's not, that's not 
that's not helpful. It's not helpful to Republicans who say they want to, you know, go past the bureaucracy and and cut through the red tape and just make it local. Like, they're... You can appoint local judges, but we can't because we're not able to because this person won't let us. It's it's a it's a shitty situation where I think I think that Democrats do a very good job of, de- uh, of legislating, but they don't tell people enough how much they legislate, and it's bullshit. Will the U.S. government be able to return to how things were prior to twenty ten? Or has the curtain been pulled away revealing the flawed structure of the government? I think it would depend. I think it depends on how Democrats act when they have power. If the Democrats act the same way that the Republicans act when they have power, then, then it's the same. And if that's the case, can we please, for the love of goodness, get rid of the House of Representatives, or sorry, get rid of the uh, Senate and just do... The House of Representatives with a Prime Minister. <laughs> because what's the fucking point, then? There's no point of trying to get it past three different branches if we're all just going to be doing the same bullshit. I I think that the curtain's been pulled back. I think that it's been pretty clear that we're in a very hyper-partisan situation. And I don't know of any fixes for this. There's no fix for it. The Republicans don't have a fix for it because they want this power. They want to be able to, uh, I want to say legislate, but they want to be able to write bills so that they can defund Planned Parenthood and try to repeal Obamacare again. And like they don't, they don't want Democrats to be able to write actual bills to help actual people. And. I mean, the Republicans don't want that. The Democrats, they do want that, but they don't, they're not able to legislate all the time. So it's a shitty situation. I think that the curtain has been pulled back on Republican politics. I think that Republican politics has been cleared as these people are doing whatever for whatever guy they have at the top. Marco Rubio has been fucking shilling for this guy who called him little marco who mocked him relentlessly Rand paul same thing for the same guy who constantly mocked him it's not hard to figure this out they do this that's what he beat them and they just palled along with him so it's not it's not difficult. I think the curtain's been pulled back, but people just don't give a fuck about the curtain. Next question, please. Okay. That was the end of the very long question. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you that other question now because I don't want to end on it. <laughs> okay. Um, is there any way to make the American criminal justice system fairer? No. There really isn't. There is a lot of bias in the criminal justice system for America. We've seen that in 
numerous cases of um, people of color going to prison for an incredible amount of time for the same offenses that white men get off for and spend zero time in prison for. I don't know what the... I don't think there is a specific... I don't think there is a specific fix for this. I don't know. I, I don't know. There is a... We, we are entitled to a jury trial of our peers. But we allow for people to decide who's who are our peers. And for people of color, our peers tend to be a lot of white people who... We don't know what specific situation that they've been in, but it's not necessarily favorable for us, which is what the other side tends to want. And I, I don't, I don't think that there's ever been. I, I think that with with the current criminal justice system we have, we tend to see more minorities in prison, more minorities arrested more minorities frisked and uh, sorry stopped and frisked for whatever what have you more minorities shot just cuz in case i don't think there is a specific fix but i think there are some small fixes i think heavily heavily training people on how to communicate with minorities, how to communicate with everyone around you. Because minorities literally have this situation where they are, they are and should be afraid to speak to police officials, to officials who are, because they are afraid that their lives are on the line, which they tend to be. I think that's very important that we have a situation where we are, where there's an open communication, where there isn't, I, I also want to highlight that maybe people being able to pick their jewelry is pretty fucked up. I know that both sides get to get a say in what the jewelry is, but it's still really fucked up. Because you look at what juries decide on what, and it is fucking phenomenal. I don't know, I, there's, there's a lot that's going on, and I just, there are a billion things that we can do, but I don't know how many of them will actually make a significant, this will make a real difference. I don't know. With a, with a, with the criminal justice system we have now, you can be pulled over, and if you are seen as a threat, you could be harmed, killed, and. It will then go into a system where 
will look at it, quote unquote, and normally find that it was justified. I don't think there are that many justified shootings. I don't think that there are that many justified shootings to justify the amount of people that are getting killed. I don't think that it's justified that it's the amount of, the percentage of people of color that get hurt. And I think that other police officers in the force should step up and say this is wrong. But unfortunately, I don't have any of those numbers in front of me. Wish I did. Because holy shit. But I don't know specifically what would be the best way to curb police brutality and violence. However, if you police them the same way that you police people who you think might be committing crimes, that would probably make a huge difference. If people who were accused of doing something negative were just kicked off the force, that'd be pretty huge compared to people who we might think were guilty were shot to death. <laughs> That's interesting to me. But I think that I think that policing should be policed a lot more. I think that um, if you have that any sort of any sort of weird thing in your bio, in your in your um, history, in your file, that needs to be scrutinized and maybe it's not fair, but you should. Says everyone who has been stopped or frisked or questioned without any fucking warrant. Without any fucking need. Sorry. It's not a good one. I don't I don't have any sort of actual like facts facts because I didn't pull it up because this was a question thing and I'm like, I'll just answer questions, whatever. <laughs> Ready for the next one? Yeah. Are the Democrats politically better off if Trump is removed from office before the 2020 election? That's a good question because it's I have two answers, which is absolutely not. And fuck yeah. <laughs> it's rough. Absolutely not. Donald Trump is a lightning rod. We can hit him almost anywhere. He is bad at his job. He's bad at legislating. He's bad at coming up with bills. He's bad at reading. He's bad at literally everything. However, he is the incumbent president. He has the bully pulpit. Wouldn't it be better if we... What's that mean? The bully pulpit? What's that mean? He has the bully pulpit. He is the president. He has the ability to speak to a large amount of people with little to no effort. Well, if he was removed from office then Pence would be the president and be the candidate and have those same things. So why, how does that Right, matter? but he would have those same things for a less... A lot... If, if he were removed from office, that would be the story. The story would be Donald Trump was removed from office. So Pence could come up and say whatever he wanted to, but he would have to go against that Donald Trump was removed from office. 
you're right. Pence would technically have the bully pulpit because he's the president. However, he wouldn't really have that, like, he wouldn't have that gravitas. He would, we would mostly... I don't know if gravitas is ever a word that's been used to describe Trump. I don't think it's been ever used to describe Pence either. <laughs> um, but he, that would be their, that would be the thing that, like, we would, we wouldn't, there wouldn't be that thing, right? So, if, if Trump still has that, he has the bully pulpit. He still has, he still has the ability to step on stage and have a speech be national news. He can say whatever he wants in the speech. I mean, you've seen fucking House of Cards, he could say whatever. <laughs> but, like, that would be the, that would be the difference. Um, Pence being the Pence being the guy a lot of it would be did you hear what Donald Trump's vice president said or this guy said this but he like here's how he got this job do I think Pence is a harder candidate absolutely do I think Pence is a harder candidate after we impeach Donald Trump not necessarily however I do think that it'd be more beneficial to run against Donald Trump. You get to run against a guy who has had a lot of his friends indicted and convicted. A lot of his friends have have uh, uh, sorry pled guilty and have gone to prison or are going to prison. Michael. (laughs) So yeah. We got those. I, I I it's one or the other. I think it would be better for him not to get impeached for us to win. However, I think he should be impeached, and I think it would be it would be great. And that said, impeach doesn't mean we remove him, and we can run against an impeached president, no fucking problem. All right, one last question, and we already know the answer to it. Yeah. Who is your 2020 candidate? As of right now, my 2020 candidate is Joe Biden. I think that Joe Biden has everything that I'm looking for. Joe Biden has um, the experience. Joe Biden has the uh, charisma. Joe Biden has the ability to speak to the common people like myself. Joe Biden has all those things. Now, I am open for a Democrat to change my mind. I am very open-minded about my Democrats in this. I think that we have a good bench. We have a great bre- great bench. Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, Kirsten Sinema, Elizabeth Warren. I am ready for this bench to tell me what they have to offer. Kirsten Sinema. I said that? I meant Kirsten Gillibrand. Maybe you did. I don't know. <laughs> no, I did not say Gillibrand. I said cinema. Okay. Um, but I'm ready for them to tell me what I have, what they have to offer. But mm-hmm. right now, my my guy is Joe Biden. I'm ready to be proven wrong. I'm excited to be proven wrong. I'm ready for these debates. And can I just say before we before we end this, I would like, hopefully, for the love of God, when we do debates, can we please just make them civil? Don't. <laughs> Don't talk about how one your your this other candidate's not fit to be the president. We're Democrats. 
we're gonna back whoever we have. But let's not fuck around. Well, thank you very much for um, joining me for the question and answer question uh, question and answer uh, episode. Um, I really appreciate everyone who gave questions. Um, everyone who didn't give a question, everyone who, um, I didn't answer questions. I'm so sorry. I will get to the next question and answer we do, um, which I hope is very, very soon because this is super easy for me. I don't have to do a lot. Um, I want to thank the wife of the pod for reading the questions to me. Thank you very much, Katrina. You're welcome. Thank you. And, um, thank you all for listening. I will be out tomorrow so I can see my favorite band and then I'll be back next week. Actually, Katrina, wife of the pod, you're gonna be on the you're gonna be on the pod next week, right? Yeah. All right, wife of the pod next week. Thank you guys very much for listening. I appreciate it. Love you all. Cheers. <laughs>